but on the back of quite a lot of spending becomes an inflation problem, which is what we're seeing now. So I think we're going to probably see an, you know, another 12 to 24 months of higher rates of interest. Um, but there's also going to be opportunities around uh, lender policies improving. We're already seeing that now in our world. Um, you know, making it, uh, some banks making it easier for customers to switch banks without supplying all the documentation and getting a better repayment outcome as well. So uh, like I said before, there's always positives. You're going to see negatives, but I mean, I always focus on the positives and what's happening in a, in a market like now. Uh, I think it's really important to focus on those positives because, I mean, look, it, it can be all doom and gloom if you pick up the paper and read the news online. Um, but I think we've got to look beyond that and, and into the future. And there's always that light at the end of the tunnel. Welcome to the Self-Love Podcast, the show that helps crack open your heart and inspire a deeper regard for your own well-being and happiness. Proudly brought to you by 28 Essentials, here's your host, the gorgeous Kim Morrison. Welcome to the Self-Love Podcast. This week, we're talking money. Gorgeous Colin Mason joins us on the show this week. He has over 20 years in the banking finance industry had commenced his career with GE Credit Line in 1999 as a debt collector. And as you'll hear on this podcast, what that taught him from a human perspective and also understanding maybe even a little bit more around the psychology of money. Colin was recently the elite brokerage business coach, loan market group, where he coached some of the group's elite businesses. Prior to this, Colin was a director of one of Queensland's largest financial brokerages based on the Sunshine Coast. He has consistently been recognized as one of Australia's leading mortgage brokers. And having lived on the Sunshine Coast for the past 11, 12 years, Colin has helped thousands of people with home loan finance, helping with cars, businesses, all sorts of things around finance, as well as helping people create their five to 10 year goal. He is a well-respected member of the Sunshine Coast community, and it absolutely is my privilege and honor to bring him to the Self-Love Podcast this week. Please, as you check out and listen to his amazing quality information and support, uh, you will actually get to perhaps even be a bit inspired around what it means to be successful. You're going to love his quotes. You're going to love his insights. And I cannot wait to hear your feedback. Head on over to my Instagram page, Kim Morrison at the number 28. You can go on to Kim Morrison Training, or you can head on over to thewellnesscouch.com forward slash self-love podcast. Thank you for downloading this through Podbean, Spotify, and all the different platforms. We certainly appreciate your following. Your five-star rating never goes unnoticed. And I hope you enjoy listening to these incredible souls as much as I love bringing them to you. Enjoy today's show, and I cannot wait to see your thoughts and comments. Take care. Be kind. What an absolute honor, delight, and privilege to bring to you a very special soul. This person, whilst he might, might be involved in finance and supporting us all to create the dreams that we all want, he is an, also an exceptional human being. And I am delighted to welcome to the show a gorgeous Colin Mason. Welcome. Thanks, Kim. Great to be a part of your uh, your podcast. Thanks for the opportunity. Well, I think it's kind of amazing to get a finance whiz on the self-love podcast. And when you said yes, I was like, yes, he's human after all. <laughs> and what I love most about what you do, yes, you help people create financial dreams and yes, you help them come true. But you really do look at the individuals and you really do look at us and our dreams as very personal. Before we get into all the magic that you create, how did you get into finance in the first place? What was your position growing up and what led you down this path? Yeah, look, it's, uh, it's quite an interesting pathway that I took. I, um, uh, I didn't like school too much, to be honest with you. So I actually left uh, in year 10, many, many, many years ago now. Um, I always knew I wanted to uh, to be successful uh, in business. So I got out of uh, out of school. I actually started a trade. I was a boilermaker back in the day. Um, I did that trade and um, worked out. I wasn't very hands-on, very crazy with that type of stuff. So I, um, uh, I was actually dating a girl at the time who was in finance and, um, and she encouraged me to, to get into, uh, into finance, into a role and uh, started off as a, as a debt collector many, many years ago. So uh, and that was sort of my, uh, my, my sort of kickoff into finance. And, uh, and from there, I, um, I went into insurance and financial planning and superannuation and, and then mortgage broking. I started in, uh, in a role 
uh, back in 2004 uh, in mortgage broking. So I've been doing this now for just on 20 years, um, but been in finance for probably 26 years. What a fascinating thing, isn't it? This whole thing of school. I've met so many entrepreneurs and exceptional business people who really didn't fit or like the school model. Apparently, it hasn't changed for over a hundred plus years. What are your thoughts then on someone listening to this whose son or daughter may not be interested in school, or maybe they themselves aren't? And yet, it seems to be this whole thing of go to school, get an education, get a job, work nine to five. What is your thoughts around that if you've got that entrepreneurial spirit? Yeah, look, I mean, school's got its place in in you know for a place for everyone. I mean, look, my my big thing with school was that. Um, like I, uh, I love some of the subjects, but didn't like some of them as well. Uh, I love the, you know, the, the hangouts with mates and you know playing football on the rugby field over lunchtime and after hours and before school, etc. But, um, but I always had this this sort of urge to um, to go in and and learn. And and for me, um, hands on is very important for me. Like I know you know you can go to year twelve, and there's there's a big push for students to go to year twelve these days and get their high school certificate. Um, and then into university, et cetera. But, but I've spoken to a lot of people over the years that even when they get to the end of year 12, they still don't know what they want to do. Um, and, and, and for a lot of people, they'll start university studies and then um, not, not sort of continue with those university studies. They might do half the course and then pull out and then have a gap year. And so, so for me, it was all around, well, what, did, what did I want to do personally? Like, uh, and I had this, this passion, this drive to uh, be successful in, uh, in business. So um, and look, to be honest, I didn't really know what, what type of industry or what type of business I wanted to be successful in. I just knew I wanted to get out there into the real world and actually do it. Um, so my parents are very supportive of me doing that back in the day. And um, although their biggest thing was you have to do a trade, so uh, which is the reason why I fall, uh, fell into uh, boiler making. Uh, but soon sort of worked out after doing that trade that I wasn't um, the hands-on uh, tradie um, and I needed to, uh, to be doing something else. So... And it was just by by chance, uh, like I said, I met met a girl that uh, that was in finance, and, and it sort of started from there. But look, I think if you uh, for any of you listeners that um, you know that, that have teenage children, uh, you know, sort of that that don't really understand what, you know maybe what they want to do. Well, look, I think school's got a got a place, but um, but if they've got a passion and a drive, and they really know what they want to do, um, I think seeking that out, um, you know, earlier in life. I don't think it's a bad thing, and I, I think that just sets the foundations for a, for a good future. Well, I love that because it actually takes the pressure off everybody as well. I always had a philosophy, earn or learn. If you're not learning, if you're not at uni or if you're not studying or you're not doing something that's increasing your education, then you've got to be earning. And sometimes working in service industries, hospitality is a great way to learn about humans. Have you found then, and I'm just talking about humans because let's just go back to you being a debt collector, probably Mm. up there with as disliked as ticket people that hand out car tickets, probably dentists, with respect, dentists love you. But seriously, there's a lot of people that people find scary or don't like. What was it like being a debt collector? Oh, look, it, it had its challenges. Um, you know, when I um, when I was young, I was pretty robust. So, you know, nothing sort of fazed me too much. But um, uh, look, some of those phone calls were, were difficult because you're, you're essentially chasing money from uh, from families. You know, maybe they're that were on struggle streets, um, you know, and there was tears and there was um, there was a whole lot of, uh, you know, things along that journey. But, you know, like I, I really thought that that role set me up to be successful in finance because, you know, having those tough conversations, um, it does make you a bit more, more sort of resilient. Um, it's like you can you sort of wrap yourself in cotton wool kind of thing. But, but, look, I think if you can do those tough roles earlier in life um, when you don't have a lot of, um, um, you know, other things to worry about, um, you just, you know, you, you go in there, you make a little bit of money, you learn a few things that day, you go home and then you catch up with, you know, your friends and your family on the, on the night times, on the weekends and you play your sports, et cetera, you know, outside of that, that job. So, um, but look, I mean, for the first six to 12 months, I absolutely loved that role uh, because it was very diverse. You know, you'd go in there and you'd learn different things and you speak to different people and every scenario was different. And I suppose that's why I love what I do now because every day I come into work, even though I've been doing it for 20 years, every day you learn something new um, because every scenario for every client is different to the one that you might have dealt with previously. So, um, so look, it, it sort of set me up that, that role, Kim, uh, to be honest with you. And uh, I look back at it, um, you know, that was 26 years ago, thereabouts, that I, uh, that I did that role. 
I sort of looked back on that role and thought, you know, if I hadn't done that role, where would have ended up? Who knows? Yeah, and I also think it's, like I said, about working in hospitality makes you have such an appreciation for service and what other people give and do. And you're dead right, those tough conversations. I'm sure there's the minority of people who try to avoid them, but for the many people that are going through tough times, gosh, it must be a real eye-opener for you then over these last three to five years witnessing what's been going on. What's your perspective of the view? Is it all doom and gloom with all these interest rates and what's happening with the economy? Or what's your perspective on how we can move forward and through this with grace? Yeah, look, it's a, it's a good uh, good question. I mean, look, for I think for the finance industry at the moment, I mean, the last three to five years has been, um, you, you know, you've seen ups and downs, you've seen many good opportunities and there's been obviously some, some negatives through that. I mean, obviously we had the COVID pandemic um, for a lot of, Households that went into a lot of panic. You know, we knew we were going into uh, some lockdowns and whatnot. There was a lot of businesses that that struggled. Um, I mean, who would have known that we would have gone through probably the biggest boom we've had in in the property markets um, and, and interest rates being at, at all time historic lows. We probably never see them again that low uh, in our lifetime. So, um, so there's been ups and downs. I think um, you know, like us forecasting out you know around what's happening now. I mean, obviously the the interest rates have gone up quite a lot over the last 12 months and there are a lot of households now that are having those conversations around what do we do moving forward and um, and I suppose those conversations can be quite tough, you know, when you're talking to uh, to families that might have purchased a home in the last last two or three years that have, that have seen the ups, obviously, with rates being so low and the property prices going up, um, but now, obviously, on the back end of that, they're seeing the opposite. So so I think it's important that, um, that we always look at the the positives out of any scenario and I think um, look for anyone that's got a mortgage um, it, it's it's like a marriage it's a 30-year marriage I mean that's the term of the loan and, and you're going to see some ups and downs with interest rates and I think like we're having these conversations with a lot of customers now it's around um, budgeting for the you know for for the worst times and uh, but also the the good times as well uh, and then that way we'll always manage to get through. I think that's a fascination in itself for many of us who have the opportunity to purchase a home or business or maybe even an investment property. There is the highs, as you mentioned, but for the people that did purchase on those really low interest rates and now feeling like the RBA and everyone's against us or maybe people are going, what's the government doing? Could you explain to us why the interest rates go up? How do we bring the economy back into some sort of homeostasis? What is the the whole dynamic between high interest rates, better loans and all of these things? Why do the RBA keep putting the interest rates up? Look, I mean, it's quite simple. I mean, the, the Reserve Bank has a, uh, a target range for inflation, and that's between 2 and 3%. Uh, inflation was nearly up at 8% um, only recently, and it, it's slowly coming down now. But um, but unfortunately, mortgage holders are, are the beneficiaries of, um, uh, you know, of, of higher inflation because they, uh, they, they will see interest rates uh, go up because the government's trying to slow down uh, the spending in the market. Uh, now, obviously, going into the pandemic, they wanted uh, the government, uh, that is, they wanted to see a lot of spending going into the pandemic, especially with the stimulus uh, that was coming into the market through the, the COVID pandemic. Um, hence the reason why we had rates at an all-time low. Uh, obviously, there's quite a lot of spending, but on the back of quite a lot of spending becomes an inflation problem, which is uh, what we're seeing now. And um, so I think we're going to probably see an, you know, another 12 to 24 months of, um, uh, of, of higher rates of interest. Um, but there's also going to be opportunities around uh, lender policies improving. We're already seeing that now in our world. Um, you know, making uh, some banks making it easier for customers to switch banks without supplying all the documentation and getting a better repayment outcome as well. So, uh, like I said before, there's always positives. You're going to see negatives, but I mean, I always focus on the positives and what's happening in a in a market like now. Uh, I think it's really important to focus on those positives because I mean, look, it, it can be all doom and gloom if you pick up a paper and read the news online. Um, but I think we've got to look beyond that and, and into the future. And there's always that light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, and you certainly provided that for many of us, which is why I wanted to share you on this beautiful show. I know that for many of us, we can doubt ourselves or question ourselves or not feel good about ourselves. Money seems to be an incredible barometer for success or not success. In your humble opinion, what does money mean to you and what is success to you? Yeah, look, I mean, success uh, to me, look, doesn't really revolve around money. I mean, success to me is building a business like we've got at the moment, uh, but having good people in the business uh, and really people that want to get up and love coming to work. 
Uh, I've always sort of built, um, uh, I wanted to build a culture around that, uh, which I think we've got here at Mason Finance Group. Look, money, uh, I think uh, anyone that puts the effort in uh, and anyone that works hard deserves money at the end of the day. Like, I don't see it as a, um, you know, like, I mean, someone might come on and say, just you you're so lucky that you've got the nice car or the nice house or whatever that might might be. But I've always looked at it on the contrary to that and say, well, no, I've got a nice house or a nice car or, you know, that person has got a nice car or a nice house because they've actually got in, dug their heels in, worked hard, but they've gone through the tough times, they've gone through the bad, uh, you know, the, the good times. Um, I think there's a, there's a story behind everything. Um, so success to me is... Is yes, look, you might have some money, um, but success to me is really wanting to get up in the morning uh, and wanting to come to work, love what you're doing. Um, I've always thought if you love what you're doing, you're going to be successful anyhow. That's very powerful. Well, if that's the perspective, given your track record and the beautiful environment and community and culture that you've created, what would you say then is your greatest success with your team? Look, I think, uh, I mean, look, the greatest success for was probably two things uh, that I see looking back over the last two years since we launched Mason Finance, and that is being voted as the number one um, mortgage broker across the Sunshine Coast in such a short amount of time. I mean, we've voted up against 100-plus other businesses on the on the Sunshine Coast that have been around for quite some time. Um, so that was a real, a real accolade for us at the start of this year. Um, and the other uh, accolade was, uh, was being voted as the, the fastest-growing mortgage broker business in the history of our of our sort of aggregator, which was out of you know a thousand plus businesses, so um, and, and that was over the last thirty odd years. So so they're probably the two accolades that I look look at and go, wow, you know, like you you sort of look back and you take a deep breath, you sit down, and you go, okay, well that's that's two really good things that uh, that we've achieved, not just myself or my business partner, but as a team, you know, we've we've um, you know hit those milestones, we hit those accolades together, and we make it clear to the team in here too, like if you're part of our business. You're on the bus uh, with us the whole way through. Like it's a family business, and we want that to, you know, that that culture within our team. We want everyone to be successful here. So, um, and, and you know, like any of the accolades that that we win, the awards that we win, it's not just about myself or or, or any single person in the business. It's about the team as a collective. Let's talk to the person listening to this. They got a mortgage. Interest rates have been rising. Maybe they've got a business, maybe they've got a family, whatever their situation, they're just questioning it, as we mentioned a couple of minutes ago. I would really love to plug what you do. How would someone like Mason Finance Group support someone who's sitting there questioning, what's the next best step for me? What's the process that we'd go through if they're listening to this and they like the sound of you? How could they work through their own dynamics, but also their own scenarios? Good question. Look, I mean, I, I've always said everything starts with uh, with a discussion. So I think picking up the phone, reaching out, having a chat with myself or one of my senior advisor team members here. Um, and yet, look, you never know what the outcome might be. We're helping uh, a lots and lots of clients at the moment either renegotiate the interest rates on their current mortgage without even moving banks. We've been able to save more than $300,000 of collective interest uh, for clients uh, since uh, January this year, so uh, four or five months ago. Um and, um, and look for other clients who've been able to move move banks as well, uh, and, and both residential and business loans. So, so we do. Um, uh, you know, I suppose when we start those discussions with customers, we have a look at everything holistically. So we have a look at what you're paying now, uh, what you could be paying, uh, and then whether it's easy for you to move lenders, or if it's not easy for you to move lenders because uh, maybe your personal situation has changed, and the next bank says that they they can't help you for whatever the reasons. Then we can renegotiate. Uh, the rates and the terms with the current bank to make it a bit easier for you. Well, I think that's the beauty of having that starting conversation. I think personally I can say this because I was in a dilemma and this is why I love this human so much and all that he offers, but I thought I'd made the biggest mistake selling one of our or a house and then we really was trying to backstep and just freaked and beautiful Jody from um, beautiful McGrath turned around and said, oh, look, all you need to do is speak to Colin. And I didn't even ring you. You rang me and said, how can I help? And I remember that conversation and you said, everything will be okay. Is that how you look at life, that everything will be okay? There's always a positive and that there's ways that we can always work through something. And if so, why then do the positive or the negatives, what do the negatives then give us? Yeah, well, look, I've, um, look, even for the staff here, like the way that I've always um, 
uh, manage my my situation personally, but also even for the staff that work here. Uh, and, and even when we, we we sort of talk to clients, it's like there's always a solution. We've got to find a solution within any uh, potential problem. Um, you know, so like for, for the staff, for example, here, like I'll always say, let's not find or focus on a problem. Let's find the solution uh, within that problem. So it's the same for clients. I mean, clients will ring, and some clients will ring and say that like, nearly the first sentence I go, look, you probably can't help me, but it's like, well, the chances are we can help you uh, find the solution. We've just got to dig deeper. Um, I think that's really important for uh, for households, uh, to, you know, to understand that there's always, in any scenario, there's got to be a solution. Uh, it's just a matter of how we build, uh, you, you know, or, or join the dots, um, you know, to, to find that solution. So uh, and I think that's why our reputation uh, has, uh, you know, has been so well over the last couple of years and we built this uh there's good foundation now is because we have helped a lot of clients that have been told no multiple times elsewhere, but yet we spend the time, we sit down with the clients um, and, and all the staff have the same uh, aims and goals uh, within the business here and that is to find, find that solution, you know, like happy customers. Um, and it's really important, uh, especially at the moment as we go through these, these tougher times. Like I said before, it's a lot of doom and gloom out there at the moment, but you've got to look beyond that, find the positives in anything. I love it. It's a great philosophy, great leadership skills too. Well, when you look at your situation now and you look back on your life, is there been any particular downtimes for you that you can look back on now and go, oh, and I know this is going to sound crazy, but you're really glad it happened because it taught you something. Most people that I interview have had some pretty tough times or they've been through challenges themselves, but they seem to have some sort of an attitude or an embracing way. I get that yours is about being positive, but for you particularly, has there been any standout moments that have really changed your perspective on life, business or humanity? Yeah, I mean, look, for, for me, it was um, probably uh, taking a, a break around about three years ago. Um, I got to a point, I was in a a very successful business here on the coast um, and decided that um, I just needed to step away from the industry and have a break. Um, and through that break, I, uh, um, I got my pilot's licence and uh, well, I had my pilot's licence but, um, but did a little bit more digging around that and got my instructor rating and then I was able to teach um, you know, people how to fly a plane. So, so for me, taking that break, uh, stepping back from the industry and just looking at everything uh, around what did I want now going forward, I was 40 one years of age at that point in time. Um, so some people might call it a midlife crisis, but I called it an opportunity, to be honest with you, around what am I going to do now? Um, and, and sort of sitting down and then where when you actually stop um, and, you, and you sit back, things become a lot clearer. Um, and then that allowed me to uh, obviously set the business up here, uh, knowing I was passionate about helping clients and, um, you know, and, their, and their finances. And like I said before, finding a solution in problems and, uh, and whatnot. So, um, so I think taking that that break uh, three years ago, nearly four years ago, uh, was a big learning curve for me. Um, being able to first of all uh, do it because, like uh, my my parents said at the time, you know the the anxiety is in the indecision, knowing what you want to do deep down, but sometimes not being able to make that decision. It leads to some anxious times. But but for me, it was um, it was a massive learning curve, and um, and I, yeah, I, I learned a lot. And and now we've got obviously. Uh, this business, which has been been really successful, and, uh, and you know we've got bigger things to come. Anxiety certainly is a big part of some people's problems around money and understanding the process of money. If you've never been raised with parents that understand what money can and can't do, and also teach you about investing or understanding things like the share market or anything like that for a lot of people their learnings around finance is what their parents did i'll give you an example growing up my dear mum solo mum she ran a business in a hair salon and every week i'd watch her put the cash into different envelopes one was the mortgage one was the electricity one was water one was rates and i'd watch it and then we'd see how much was left and some weeks after all the bills were taken out there was ten dollars sitting in her hand and what she would do, Cole, is take us on magical mystery drives where we'd all get in the car. She'd put $10 worth of petrol in the car, I guess, or whatever it was. And we all took turns at turning left or turning right. And somehow we'd end up at this magical beach, which looking back, obviously, she choreographed, but we thought we were amazing. Have you come across people that are just truly inspirational around, it's not about how much they have, but sometimes how creative they get with how little they've got? Yeah, look, it, it's um, it's a great, great point. I mean, look, my 
just quickly, my, my parents were, um, you know, ne- never brought up around money. Um, and in fact, they worked two jobs. Mum worked sort of two jobs uh, through our younger years, uh, well, through my younger years. Um, Dad was never there for most Christmases because he was working, you know. So so for me, it was um, uh, like I've never been brought up around money, like like I suppose some, some people. Um, but I think, uh, look, I mean, being in this job and, and you know, doing it for, for quite a long time, I mean, we've, we've helped clients that, uh, are not big money earners, but are very frugal with their money. Um, that have you know built a, a property portfolio uh, of three and four, maybe more properties. Um, so it's a testament that it doesn't matter what you really earn. It's a matter of uh, probably how you budget and how you set yourself up financially um, to uh, to to paint your own success. You know, like I think that's really important. And if I go back and just touch on that debt collecting job, a lot of the time that we were chasing debts was not the people. Uh, or not the households that didn't earn a lot of money. It was generally the households that earned quite a lot of money, just refused to pay back debt uh, or, or had too much debt for the money that they earned. Um, so, um, you know, I think um, you, you can paint your own success. Uh, money's not everything, um, but it obviously does pay for things. Um, but you don't need to be earning millions of dollars a year or, or hundreds of thousands of dollars a year to paint your own success. So uh, I think anyone can be successful as long as you want to be successful. Mm, so true and that whole thing around discipline and budgeting probably a nasty word that b word for a lot of people to budget but in all honesty we all know that the only thing you have to focus on is not spending more than you earn particularly in this time and age but from your perspective then is there courses or is there things if someone's listening to this and they go I really would like to learn more about money or investing or property or portfolios like what is it in your perspective or is it better to come and talk to someone like you and actually learn as you walk through the process yeah, look, I think, uh, like I said before, everything starts with a uh, discussion. So, I mean, I'm, a, I'm an avid reader, so I'll, um, uh, look, I generally don't read books, but I'll, I'll read a lot of uh, different things online. So I use, I suppose you can call it Google these days. I Google a lot of different things and learn a lot of different things. And and I'm uh, I'm like a bit of a leech, to be honest with you. Like I, the amount of clients that um, that, that we help, um, I mean, I've helped thousands of clients over the last 20 years and just aligning myself with different people, um, professionals, uh, around the Sunshine Coast or, or right around Australia, to be honest with you, you learn different things. And I think, um, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll always ask a lot of questions. Um, and I suppose that's how I've learned quite a lot of different things over the years as well. Um, so, look, I mean, for any of your listeners, I think if you if you really want to learn more about finances, I think ask questions, um, discuss uh, your scenario with the right people, build a team of experts around you um, because uh, I've always, um, uh, you know, said that I don't know any, I don't know the answers to everything but I'll go searching for them uh, if I need to find them. Um, and I think by having the right people in your team or on your side, you'll find those answers and you build um, a good foundation from that. I think you're sort of talking the word patience in here as well. What I'm hearing is that it doesn't all happen overnight, but if you do create the questions or find the right team or create an opportunity for yourself to learn more, what are you talking for someone that's sitting here right here right now? Is it a one-year process to get yourself on track? Is it a five-year? I know it's all individual, but what are some of the, maybe some case studies that you've got that you've seen people turn their lives around financially? Well, look, I mean, we've, we've uh, look, again, I mean, I've helped thousands of clients, but um, look, I mean, we've, um, you know, started with the, the first home buyers, for example, that, that never thought they would ever buy a house and setting it up on a journey around buying their first house and what that looks like and, you know, what's it feel like and, um, you know, how do you budget and all those type of things. And then we've helped customers build portfolios of, you know, 15, 20 plus properties as well um, over the last sort of 20 odd years. So, um, so again, I think you just need to sit down with someone. Uh, so understand what success looks like to you um, and then build a game plan around that. So where does it all start? I think that, you know, that, that first discussion, and it could be with me, to be honest with you, it could be with your accountant or a financial advisor, it could be with your parents, you know, that build a portfolio, it could be with anyone, like it could be with friends. Um, ask, ask questions. Um, and I think most people that have built success would be happy to elaborate and share their journey with you. Like, I mean, like I'm doing now, I mean, um, I, I've done you know, I've got no no issues in talking to people about where I've come from, what I've done, how I've learned, you know, the people that I've run into or asked questions, um, you know, um, who have I aligned myself with? You know, why, why is this business so successful? Like I'm, I'm more than happy to to elaborate and share details uh, on all that type of stuff because I think it's um, uh, for anyone that's, um, that, that wants to be a success, you've got to build that team, like I said, that, that team of people around you that, uh, that all have the same goals, the same passion, 
the same aims in life. If I was to look up Mason Finance online, what are some of the tools or the skills or the services that you offer? Let's give it a plug. Um, so, look, we do all things residential home loans and commercial finance, car finance, equipment finance. So, so pretty much anything finance we will uh, we will manage. Um, our, our process is all built around communication um, as well. So, so we use a, uh, a software program which is very uh, much digital these days. Um, Ever since the COVID pandemic, um, uh, I mean, like for a, a lot of the banks now, definitely our software, it's all gone digital. So there's not a lot of paperwork that we handle back and forth between us and the clients. It's all done through um, the cloud, I suppose you can call it. Um, the, the process that we have with the banks uh, is, is quite a quick process these days because of um, uh, our, our reputation and our size. We're in the fast lane with a lot of these banks as well now, so we get priority service, and generally that leads to better interest rate outcomes for our customers as well. Uh, we can generally waive fees on, on certain uh, products and all that as well now, uh, again, on the back of that. So, um, so yes, yeah, so look, I mean, I, I think from uh, from our perspective, we look, if you're thinking finance, then give us a call because uh, generally we can uh, we can find that solution that I mentioned before. You mentioned living on the Sunshine Coast. You haven't always lived here. What is your thing? What do you, people ask me all the time, what is it about the Sunshine Coast? Is there something that you've noticed in particular from your perspective about this beautiful part of the world? And if so, what is it to you personally? Well, for us, it's all around lifestyle. We, we visited the Sunshine Coast many, many years ago uh, when I was uh, a teenager, actually, with my parents. We we uh, were fortunate enough to have a holiday up here in Noosa. Uh, and ever since I had that holiday uh, in, in my teenage years, I thought, gosh, I'd love to live up on the Sunshine Coast. And um, we, we grew up on the Central Coast, just north of Sydney uh, in New South Wales there. And when we had the opportunity to, to move to Queensland, our first move was to Bundaberg. Uh, and that was where I started off in, in mortgage broking. Uh, we had a, a business up there with family. And, um, and that lasted a couple of years. We went back down to Brisbane. Uh, for a few years. So we passed the Sunshine Coast a couple of times. Uh, and then in 2010, we ended up making the decision to move here um, and set up business uh, here on the coast. And, um, and, and then that's where we've, where we've been ever since. And I mean, look, it was a big big thing for our kids. I mean, my wife and I wanted our kids to, to be in schooling here, to be around the beaches, to be uh, in an area where, you know, they can feel safe. Uh, so that was one of the reasons why we moved here. And, and look, to be honest, we've, we've gone back to Sydney uh, a number of times to see family and uh, and you know for work and other things down there, but even our kids uh, always look forward to coming home, you know, to the Sunshine Coast. Um, so I don't think we'll ever move from the Sunshine Coast. You never know what's around the corner, but um, but you know we we absolutely love it up here. What have you noticed about entrepreneurs and businesses up here? Because a lot of people now work, as you mentioned before, online, and so it doesn't really mean a lot of them have to be in physical places or locations. And so this draw card of beaches and safety and lifestyle and sunshine, all of those things are magnificent. But there seems to be another level again of energy with entrepreneurial spirit here. Do you notice that? And if so, what do you think that is? Yeah, it's interesting you say that because I would say, like, even on our on our client base, I would say 70% of the clients we talk to would have some element uh, of being self-employed, uh, whether it be um, your husband-wife scenario and the husband self-employed or vice versa. Um, there's a lot of self-employed people here uh, that, that live and work on the Sunshine Coast. And I, and I think it's important, uh, like I said before, the lifestyle here, uh, if we're being um, selfish, it, it is probably one of the best lifestyles in the world, in my opinion. I mean, I've travelled around to different places around the world. I think we've, we've got it made here. Uh, and, and work-life balance, I think if you're in business, and now in the digital space that we're in, for a lot of people, like you said, they can be working remotely. Um, they, they they probably don't need to be doing the eight-hour days. They can... Uh, like, like back in the, um, you know, going to the office days uh, before COVID, for example, you, you know, you might go in for eight, nine hours a day, but get six hours worth of work done because of the interruptions or uh, because of the meetings that you have to go to that, that take longer when you're you know, doing the face-to-face stuff. So I think the, the digital space has allowed entrepreneurs to, to move to areas like here, have a really successful business, probably double their, their revenue uh, by being um, more productive, I suppose is the word, and, and working in... Uh, in lesser hours uh, per day, you know, so going from an eight or nine hour day back to a six hour day and having um, the time in the afternoon to go for a surf or go for a walk on the beach and actually um, see the sunshine, so to speak. Okay, well, now I've got a real question, seeing as how you're from New South Wales. 
Just a very off-the-cuff question for you, Colin. Daylight saving, should Queensland have it? Yes, I think it should. <laughs> um, I think it's, uh, it's about time they make, they make the change. I mean, I've, I've thought that for the last 10 years since being here, really. I mean, it's, uh, uh, we used to love our, sun, uh, sorry, our daylight saving in New South Wales because you come home um, and, and you still have three or four hours of, uh, of daylight to go and do stuff. Exactly. And also, too, we were so light early in the morning. We're still up early. What I've noticed here on the coast is everyone's up around 4.30, 5.30, and everyone's in bed by 7.30, 8.30. You can't really go out late at night. How do you think that affects us from a social perspective, or do you think that's what makes us such a healthy area because people really do embrace the beach, the outdoor lifestyle? Yeah, look, I mean, I I think from uh, from the perspective around you know health, well being, and stuff like that. I think look, I mean, I've always been an early an early starter myself. So I, you know, without daylight saving, I'm always up around four thirty, five a.m. in here in the morning, and I do whatever I need to do in the morning before I come to work. But um, but but the one thing I've noticed without daylight saving as well, I've noticed um, you know a lot of the restaurants, cafes, um, you know, shutting earlier um, because of that. Because I mean, like like you said, you know, people are in bed by eight thirty, nine o'clock, and they're getting ready for the next. The next day so um but look i mean for me it's all it's all around uh, getting up in the morning i mean i'd, I'd much rather probably walk on the beach in the morning than to have a night time but then again we've had no no real choice in that matter because it's uh you know without daylight saving it gets dark early so um so i think if we did have the daylight saving here i think uh it'd be surprising but i think you'll see people switch the trend a little bit as well um and i mean look who knows i mean you know whether the government changes that or not but um but it'd be great if they did couldn't agree more. Every year I put a little post on Facebook and my brother sends a fishing line because I get, it's like, we'll move back to New Zealand if you don't like it. There's a few very northern Queenslanders who don't particularly like it. So mm. I kind of get it. But anyway, what I would love to ask you now then, when you think about money, when you think about business, entrepreneurial spirit, health, well-being, all of these things, they all contribute and create an access, a pathway into caring for ourselves. And this is the self-love podcast. And I do believe what you offer, believe it or not, is an opportunity for us to love who we are, whatever position we're in, no matter how much debt or no matter what we're trying to create, actually learning about ourselves, knowing what we can do to move forward and having someone like you as a compass point really does make people feel better about themselves. In your humble opinion, what does self-love mean to you? Self-love to me means um, taking that holiday, you know, that, that holiday that you've that you deserve, that you've always wanted to do, take it, book it. Um, and, um, you know, I always say once you book something, you know, you're going, everything becomes easier because you start working towards that 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 sort of goal, you know. It's the same thing if you if you want to go and um, buy that nice car, for example, then, then, then work on your game plan to buy that car. Um, you know, it's the same with a house or a deposit for a house, you know, work, work on that on that game plan. Um, but but self-love's all around um, giving yourself time. Um, I think for a lot of people that I've spoken to over the years, you can grind yourself into uh, a position where it's not comfortable, it's not healthy, uh, and uh, look, and that's probably one of the reasons why I took a break, you know, three or four years ago, because I was probably that that uh, that that person that worked those long days, that was away from family more often than not, and and uh, it made me realise one day that you can't just keep doing that. So I think self love is all around realising when you push yourself too much is to take that break, sit back. Uh, relax and then work out what you're going to do next, um, you know, in terms of your journey. Um, and on the other um, end of the equation, like I said, if um, you know, things are, are working really well and uh, you always want to go to uh, a place uh, overseas, for example, on a holiday with them, book it, you know, or, or work out a game plan around how do you get there? Because um, everything, and again, when you know, we talk about solutions, I mean, everything is, um, is able to be achieved, in my opinion, if we have a game plan. Couldn't agree more. I often ask a question in my workshops, you know, what are the two biggest reasons why people don't look after themselves or live the life of their dreams? And it always comes back the same answer. One is time and the other is money. But I always turn it around, Colin, and go, well, I actually want to challenge you on that because I'd like to think that it's more that it's just not a priority. Because ultimately, if we're faced with a life-threatening illness or we've got an opportunity to buy a house or whatever it is, that priority, that mind shift changes. And now, as you say, or call it a game plan, can be possible. And so from your perspective, again, as someone who helps people with their finances, game plans, if someone's listening to this, they've never even heard of the ideal. Maybe they don't even know what it means to get the game plan. We can have the conversation. 
But before they even come to you for the conversation, what would be some things you'd love for them to to maybe think about before they came to you? Well, I mean, jotting down um, your your life over the next five ten years. You know, like what what does your life look like over the next five ten years? Um, and then that's the start uh, the start of the discussion that I spoke about before. Because for a lot of customers that that, that sort of come in and see myself, one of our advisor team here, they they come in without knowing really what their what their plan is like they understand maybe sort of you know like what, what they want to do but there's no real solid game plan or journey that, that they sort of want to try and achieve in the next five or ten years there might be look they, they definitely want to buy a house but okay well how are we going to do it um you know is it is it the job that you're in at the moment or do you have to go and do more study you know i mean do you have to earn more income do you have to save more money do you have to look at buying with someone else so these are all the things that um that, that we'll sort of go through with our with our customers, you know, when they come in. But I, I would say to your listeners, drop down over the next five or ten years, what does your life look like in the next five to ten years? And then we start building a game plan around that. And like I said before as well, having the right team of people around you, um, that, that will be a big start to, uh, to making that a success. And certainly part of really caring and loving for oneself is actually taking an honest appraisal and looking within and also looking at what it is that you want. But are you saying to us then that if we come to you with an idea just as simple as that, what we'd love to see in the next five to 10 years, would you also get us to assess maybe obviously looking at our loans, our debts or anything like that? Obviously, you'll go through that. But the more information that we actually ascertain prior to coming to visit you or talk to someone like you, is that also sometimes on your perspective a really good aha for your clients to go, yeah, we are spending too much here or, oh, my gosh, I didn't realise we had so much debt. Do people get embarrassed by their debt? And if so, is this still part of the game plan? Oh, look, it is. I mean, like the game plan, um, I mean, it can be as big as uh, what you want it to be or as, or as little as what you want it to be. But for a lot of our customers that go through and complete their, their fact find before they come in, a lot of customers will get to the Say, for example, their, their cost of living, you go, oh, my gosh, I never realised we spent so much until I actually sat down and, and went through our bank statements and, and worked out that we spent quite a lot of money. Um, and that's, look, to be honest with you, that that's not, in my opinion, not, not the be-all and end-all. I mean, if we earn it, we're, we're allowed to spend it uh, as well. And I've always said that, like, it's, um, you know, like we don't go to work to to not enjoy life. Um, but, but there is um, an element of... Um, uh, you know, of overview that we need to take with, um, you know, the way that we earn the money and how we spend it because that can lead to, um, uh, you know, to building that bigger game plan, like like I said, with with more uh, opportunities uh, around that. And I think coming in here, we've, as I said before, we've helped many, many clients from different walks of life, from someone earning $50,000 a year to someone earning, you know, a million dollars a year, um, being able to, to to build them up with, with uh, you know, property portfolios, uh, or even if they've just got the one loan, you know, we've been able to save customers quite a lot of money as well. Um, but, but quite often, and more often than not at the moment, we'll get clients come in. And like I said before, they're the first one or two sentences are so you probably can't help, but but we can help. Uh, we've just got to find the solution. It's just a matter of, um, you know, digging deeper. Um, and it might be that we can't help today, but we can put them on a journey to help them in maybe a year or maybe six months' time. Um, and again, that game plan can be anywhere from, now to 12 months to five years to 10 years, it can be longer. Um, but if we don't start with the discussion, we're never going to get there. I appreciate just recently we've noticed, and by the time this comes to air, it might be already in, in place, but I see the government's trying to bring in some legislation around zip uh, kind of afterpay, all of these things. Is there a psychology around humans wanting something before they actually have the money to pay for it? And do you believe then that these afterpay and these zip payments do become part of the credit world? Yeah, look, I've never, I've never really understood zip and afterpays. To be honest with you, I mean, I've never had them personally, but uh, but for a lot of clients, they they do. And and I think, um, like the one thing I've learned with Australians um, over the years um, is that um, they they will take those type of facilities or the interest free facilities, for example. Um, and look, and I've always been taught myself that you know this is coming out from my parents who didn't have a lot of money uh, when I was growing up. Is if you if you can't, if you don't have it. In your bank account, but then don't go and spend it. So, and I've always sort of learned by that myself personally. Now, I'm not saying that that's the right way um, because you can use credit uh, to your advantage in many different cases. Um, but um, I think the government um, ha- has to legislate afterpays and zip pays. I mean, like, like they had to, to legislate the, the credit card limit increase uh, invitations as well because it was only 
be five or six years ago that you could jump onto your internet banking and you had a limit increase invitation there without even being assessed for that that increase. Uh, we had customers, you know, going through that that period that would have, you know, twenty, thirty thousand dollar limits on a credit card, but only earn, you know, fifty or sixty thousand dollars a year. If they max that credit card out, they'd never be able to pay it back um, over the course of their their life, really. So, so I think it's important that, that the government um, is now bringing in that that legislation because I think it will help uh, just with the amount of. Um, and, and I always used to call it free credit. It's not free credit, but um, but, but credit facilities uh, that can sometimes back people into a corner. Mm, agreed. Education is something that's really important to you. I mean, you, you and your wife are about to head off overseas and you're off to a conference over in Europe. I want to ask you then, are you constantly learning? Is money something that's always evolving? And if so, what's important to you as far as your continual education? Yeah, look, I'm, I'm always... Um, Keen and eager, I suppose is the words to to learn more. Like I've I've always said, I'm not like I'm I'm no expert. I mean, I'm always able to learn more. Um, I think if we have that right, like that type of mindset, we're always going to be able to learn more and more and more. And I think the more that we do learn, the smarter you become, and, and the more people that we can help, you know, with that uh, with that level of knowledge. So, uh, and obviously, money helps with that because we you know we we can do different things uh, with money, like I said before. But but there's a lot of free free learning out there. Um, you know, and again, like questions uh, that you can ask uh, different people that that have built some success. I mean, generally, I find most of those clients that have built success, uh, or most of those people that have built success, are more than happy to divulge their journey with you um, and how they've done it. And um, and you might pick pick one or two things uh, from from that journey that, that might work in your journey, uh, for example, and that might lead to that game plan I was talking about over the next five or ten years around uh, putting steps in place. So, uh, but I think. Anyone that says that, they, that they've learned enough and they don't need to learn anymore, I would uh, say that that's probably not, not the right mindset. <laughs> I read somewhere if you're not if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. Hundred <laughs> uh, <100%. laughs> percent. I want to check in with you then. Uh, you know, books and things like that, um, people that financially advise. I, I don't want to bring disrepute to your industry, but there are sharks out there. There are people that will take advantage or even in our situation where we got stung by not just the GFC, but more importantly, you know, a financial institution that was really, uh, it, it took after 32 years, which was quite a surprise, but Storm Financial went under and took a lot of people with them. How do people like us that, uh, you know, become aware of that or is there sometimes just situations that you inevitably will never avoid oh look i mean i i think um in our in our world i mean look you do have sharks unfortunately i mean it's like a, a lot of industries um and again like i mean when we built this this business right from the start we we always said to our team that we, we will always uh, always do the right thing by our customers uh, if it doesn't feel right then I, I would much rather choose to walk away from from that relationship uh than than sort of get involved so um, and I think you've just got to know when to say yes and when to say no uh, and, uh, and walk away. Um, we're, we're very lucky in our, uh, in our country that we're very um, over-legislated, probably is the word, because I think we're over-legislated in certain areas. Um, but I also think that that's uh, cocooned us um, into being a very compliant uh, country to, to live and work in uh, as well. So compared to a lot of other countries overseas that have gone through you know, a lot of different um, uh, you know, sort of pains, especially if you have a look at the, the United States at the moment that are seeing their banks, you know, the Silicon Valley uh, banks going under at the moment. There's not a lot of legislation there uh, for them, you know, uh, being government-backed, et cetera. So, uh, so I think, um, you know, in, in terms of our industry, uh, there's always going to be challenges. There's always going to be uh, th- those um, peers that, that don't want to do the right thing. Um, but, uh, look, I mean, I've always said to... To any business owners, to stay in your lane, do it really well. In fact, do it far more better than, than the person either behind you or in the lane uh, beside you. Uh, and you'll always get to the finish line uh, first, in my opinion. Good advice. So, Colin, you know, I know I appreciate your time is, is precious and we're coming to the close, but for a person listening to this, they're an incredible soul, the self-love podcast listener. They're interested, they're learned, they're curious, they want to know more, they want to be a better version of themselves from a health, well-being and mindset point of view. Money is a massive mindset shift for some of us to actually embrace it, like you said before, use credit to its advantage, understand where you're at, create the five to 10-year dream. 
As a final message, is there anything that you'd love to say to this beautiful listener who is on a journey of self-discovery for themselves? Well, look, I think um, always put yourself first. Um, you look, I mean, I have always said that, don't you? Look, I've always learned from uh, a quote that I've always lived, lived by, to be honest with you, and that is that success is not the key to happiness, that happiness is the key to success. And if you love what you're doing, you'll always be successful. So I think if you find something that you love doing, then uh, then, then keep doing it. Um, and, and, you know, you'll, you'll make some changes along the way, but don't forget about yourself personally because I think your health is really important. You get one, one chance at it, as we know. Um, and for a lot of people that I've spoken to over the years, um, you, you know, they, they sort of backed themselves into a corner. They've made a few wrong decisions, and a lot of those wrong decisions are not because they didn't um, love themselves, for example. It was because that um, maybe they spoke to the wrong people or they just didn't trust uh, in, in their process, in their game plan. Um, I think that's probably a downfall for a lot of people is that uh, they, they, they might make a few, you know, a few decisions uh, that might lead them to, uh, you know, to an area that, that's not comfortable. Uh, but build that team of good people around you because uh, I, I can't speak that about, about that highly enough because I think if you, if you have that right, right network of people around you, you'll always be successful in my opinion. I love that so much. And so that brings me to the final question, but you may have already said it because that quote was amazing. But do you have a favourite quote that you could share with us in closing? Well, that, that quote I just mentioned is definitely the, the quote I've always lived by. Um, but um, look, off the back of there is, uh, and, and like I said a second ago, like never forget uh, about the people that have supported you to get to that, that point, being your family, your friends, colleagues, peers, et cetera, because, uh, again, I, you know, I've seen people that, that, that have gone down the wrong path and they cocoon themselves and they, they sort of silo themselves into a, a point where, uh, you know, it's not good mentally for you. So um, so I think always always hanging around those like-minded people uh, but not forgetting about those people that are supporting you to get to where you are. Colin Mason, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. You're an incredibly busy man. If people wanted to follow you and find out more about Mason Finance, how could we get in touch with you guys? We are on Instagram and we've got a, uh, a Facebook page as well. Uh, you can jump on to masonfinancegroup.com.au on the website there and you can uh, uh, click on uh, on both of those links on our web paging. And we always jump across the web page because you get a good feeling for who we are as a team as well and the culture we're building. Oh, I love it so much. And I just want to thank you publicly for everything you do for me and my family. You're an exceptional human. I love you and your dear family and the culture and the team that you have there at Mason Group uh, Mason, Mason Finance Group. I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for being on the show. No worries, Kim. It's been a, uh, an absolute pleasure and uh, uh, hopefully I've been able to um, encourage your listeners uh, more. You certainly have. Thank you so much, Cole. All right. No worries. Thanks, Kim. Thanks for listening to the Self Love Podcast. Be sure to write a review and share the love with your friends and family. And head over and visit Kim and her team at 28.com. That's the word 20 and the number 8.com. Take good care. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.